Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Today's yeah. episode is definitely different than anything we've ever done before. Yeah. First and foremost, because um, one, it's spooky season. And mm-hmm. if you are into spooky things, you probably are nerd enough to know that the Exorcist remake is actually out in theaters today. This episode yeah. will be airing on Friday the 13th. The 13th in October and we are actually doing our first interview. We probably won't be doing a lot of interviews because that's not really our format. We prefer, mm-hmm. well, I wouldn't say we prefer, but we normally tell stories and have banter, yeah. but on today's episode we have a very special guest, mm-hmm. Bishop James Long. If you're not familiar with him, you will be after today's episode. Yes. He has performed over 30 exorcisms documented exorcisms during his career Mm -hmm. and he's been on uh, you know numerous shows with the paranormal he -hmm. has done tons of paranormal investigations and just has a wealth of knowledge to share about exorcists you know the exorcist perspective experiences he's had the difference between shadow people and poltergeist and um cursed objects and Mm -hmm. and so we're gonna dig into all of that yes and we're trying to take a little bit more of a unique approach with our questions we're trying to not just ask the normal we really want to dig in and see you know how many people know that there are different types of possession how many people know the difference between a possession and a poltergeist and what it means when you have a poltergeist, um, that we're we're looking to dig in deep, and there's a reason for that. So he's got the knowledge, and we're going to ask. We're going to get the answers. So we, this we episode will. of Macabre is um, exorcism expose with mm-hmm. Bishop James Long. Yes. Dun 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 dun. This should be well. Good hello, Bishop. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, you made How it. How are you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> are you having any technical difficulties like we are? No, 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 not at all. It's just uh, my, it, my schedule is really crazy. Uh, so yeah. it's 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 not it, literally. I've been since four o'clock this morning. So oh my goodness, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. It's all right. It's all right. We're all good. We're all good. So I'm just. Uh... Well, what we're planning on doing is because we value your time is we're going to pre-record all of your intro stuff. Um, We pulled like your bio information from the website. So as long as you're okay with us doing that and we'll do that on the front end. And then that way we can literally just kind of dive into some questions that we have for you. And Blair's going to kick us off and we're just going to get right into it if that's okay with you. Yeah, good deal. Bishop, thank you so much for joining us. We know that your schedule is crazy busy and we really appreciate you having having you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invitation. We have a lot of questions for you. So <laughs> we <laughs> we have right. a we have a lot. So hopefully we can cover all of them. We definitely wanted to try to take a little different approach. Uh, we know that you've been on a lot of shows, so we wanted to take a different direction. Uh, mm-hmm. We kind of wanted to start with talking about some common misconceptions with 
um, religious and slash secular demonology, um, exorcisms. So what is the difference? A difference in, uh, I'm sorry, what was it? Demonology and exorcisms? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, demonology, uh, demonology is, is, is the study of uh, demons and, uh, and of course, their origins. And now the, the exorcism is what uh, is a rite that is performed when an individual uh, has, uh, is under the, undergoing the stage of possession or uh, in the case of a demonic infestation. Uh, so, or, or, or under what's oppre- called oppression, then you pray a, a prayer of deliverance. So demonology is actually the study. There's a lot of people claiming to be demonologists uh, in the paranormal community that concerns me uh, because many mm-hmm. people who claim to be demonologists have never really, really worked a demonic case. And, and they watch a right. lot of YouTube videos and now they're telling people they're demonologists. That's very concerning to me uh, because you cannot separate theology from demonology. And I've said this for over 20 years, two decades. Demonology is not paranormal. Demonology is theological. Mm-hmm. And if one does not understand that, then that person has no business calling themselves a demonologist. You cannot remove theology from the study of demonology. So uh, that, that's very important to, uh, to explain. And of course, a demonologist, you know, you have what's called a religious demonologist and laity and just a secular demonologist. So, well, if you're a religious demonologist, you've devoted your entire life to this calling uh, to take cases on uh, and, of course, then work with clergy if it warrants uh, that type of attention. And so th- it's a calling. It's not something you do because you're bored on a Friday night. It's it's something that you are truly called to to absolutely do this ministry. It's not uh, it, it chooses you. God chooses you. You don't choose it. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would be a very risky thing for someone to do that is not well-trained and has yeah. the religious backing to be able to arm themselves in in situations that they are not at all prepared for. Well, yeah, because uh, matter of fact, it's, it's in scripture uh, in, in Acts mm-hmm. chapter 19, verse 13 through 16. Uh, it is the, uh, the sons of Sceva. And uh, basically they were running around and uh, they were claim to be exorcist and, uh, and, and, and performing exorcisms on people and saying, I adjure you by the name of uh, Jesus and Paul who proclaims and, and this kind of thing. But the, but the, the demonic answered them and uh, because they came across a real case. And the demon said to them, you know, uh, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I recognize, but who are you? Mm-hmm. And then attacked these men severely uh, to the point that, I mean, leaped on them, mastered them, overpowered them, and they actually fled out of the house naked and wounded. Yeah, definitely not something that no. um, you want to to be messing around with. Yeah. yeah, and keep in mind, a demonologist, this is really important. A demonologist is not the same thing as an exorcist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a demonologist can be laity. Now, by my office as an exorcist, I'm a demonologist by that right. But right. A, a demonologist has no business performing the sacred rite because they have no faculties to do so. So a demonologist is not an individual that should be going around performing sacred rites that are reserved strictly for an exorcist. And I think that's what a lot of people, especially in the paranormal community, think, well, because I'm a demonologist, I can perform sacred rites. No, you can't. You have no faculties to do so. And so, therefore, uh, it's very dangerous uh, to call yourself a demonologist and then performing solemn rite of exorcism with no training. Uh, That's something that should be avoided. And it's not being avoided. It's actually just the opposite. And I, I find that to be very troubling. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that to light too. That's definitely something we wanted to share with our listeners. Yeah. Now, yeah. from your 
understanding and Blair, feel free to jump in if you have a question. How do you actually determine that you are in fact dealing with a demon? What is what does that process look like? Oh, well, it's uh, it, it's extensive. It's not something that happens overnight. And, and I, I have people telling me all the time, you know, I'm possessed. I need you to perform an exorcism now. And I tell them I don't perform them on command. Uh, that doesn't happen. And so uh, and it shouldn't. And anyone who does do that um, really could do some very serious damage to the person's psychological issue if they're if the person's stru- you know, struggling with psychological psychological issues. So, for example, uh, someone contacts me and says, look, I, I think we're having some either a demonic infestation in the homes. We're having activity. It's violent. We're scared. We're frightened. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll work with a team within that area who are who've been in the field for a long time. You know, I've been in the paranormal field for 35 years. 35. And when I went public with my ministry, there was no Catholic clergy helping the paranormal. None. I was it. I was the first paranormal Catholic clergy to go public with my ministry to help the paranormal community. There was me and Father Andrew Calder. And Andy mm-hmm. was a good friend of mine. He was a, a schismatic Episcopalian. But he wasn't called to perform. He, he, he and I talked quite often about it. And he did not like the idea of performing exorcism on people who were possessed. Because that was not what he was called to do, which is mm-hmm. totally understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but when someone tells me that they have a, let's say a demonic infestation issue. So I work with teams, paranormal teams who are reputable, who don't go in number one, who don't charge, who don't think everything is a demon for the love of, I, I'm, that drives me nuts. It, it, all, all people are constantly walking in. Oh, you got a demon, you got a demon. And I'm thinking, when, wh- where did you ever take your studies in demonology? I mean, how do, how is it all of a sudden now, you know, there's a demon here because you're going into someone's home and you're scaring them. Yeah. You're terrifying them because they see you as the expert. Mm-hmm. And so you, you walk into that home and you're saying, well, I, you have a demon and it wants to kill. Literally, I've had someone come in there and say, well, you have a demon in your home and it wants to kill your children. And they told this to the single mom who was legitimately terrified. Now, what do you do with that information? How do you fix that problem now? Because now you've yeah. really done some serious psychological damage to uh, the mom because she feels already, she feels vulnerable because she doesn't know how to, to, to beat this thing. And she mm-hmm. wants to protect her children. And now you have clowns coming into people's homes and immediately saying you got a demon and it wants to hurt your child. That's yeah. really, that's very irresponsible. So mm-hmm. we have teams uh, all around the United States uh, that are, ex- that are, I absolutely consider them as far as experts, meaning uh, they understand this is a ministry. They are pastoral. They do not charge. They do not think everything is a demon. They go in with the sole purpose of debunking. They Mm -hmm. want to debunk, and it drives them crazy if they can't debunk it. Uh, And then they gather all the evidence. They present it to me and say, okay, Bishop, here's the deal. We've tried to debunk this. We can't. We don't know what's going on. This This seems pretty legitimate then I get involved. But of course, that's a different situation if you're dealing with a demonic infestation, mm-hmm. if you're dealing with demonic oppression, or if you're dealing with demonic and certainly demonic possession. So it really just depends on the situation because demonic infestation, you go in and you perform what is called the minor rite of exorcism. You do not perform an exorcism on a home. That's absurd. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You bless a home. You perform the minor rite of exorcism on the demonic entity that has infested itself within the home. So that requires less stringent uh, activity as far as background activity, investigative activity. You still have to investigate to determine if, if the case, you know, if their claim is valid. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, we don't require psychological evaluation for th- something of this nature. When you're dealing with someone who thinks they're possessed, 
yeah, now we're getting into psychological evaluations, medical evaluations, a whole mm -hmm. host of things before I even get involved. So with, with the infestation, can you explain that in how it compares to the other types? Like what, what are some of the signs and how do they, they differ from each other? Yeah. Well, so for example, let's say that you have, um, okay. Uh, demonic infestation. Uh, you go out and you paranormal investigate. Uh, is there anybody here? Can you make a noise? Can you touch me? Can you push me? That's the invitation that a demonic needs. Now it has attached itself to you. You then go home. Now by that presence that you have an attachment, the demonic has infested itself within your home. So now you have infestation. So religious objects are desecrated, the smell of sulfur, animals will be terrified. You have this feeling that of dread. Uh, sometimes you'll smell, it's a horrible putrid smell of rotten flesh. Uh, it's, uh, it's very, it's overwhelming. Uh, and many, many times religious objects will be desecrated. So it, it, it becomes violent. Uh, some you'll hear knockings or bangings at times. Uh, it, it is, it's very intrusive and it's frightening. And then what you have, what's called demonic oppression. Uh, but it's also with oppression. Uh, I, I knew Lorraine Warren and, uh, she was a friend of mine. I did not know Ed, uh, but there's a, there's another stage with oppression. It's called demonic obsession. So let's say, for example, that you are the target of the demonic. And so the demonic will be begin to attack you physically. That's called demonic oppression. It's trying to break down the will of the person. Uh, it, it, really, it's, it's, it's violent. And you're, you're talking about sleep, past, we're talking past sleep deprivation. It's to the point where your uh, immune is compromised. You, have, you are absolutely exhausted. It's biting you, scratching you, pinching you. It's terrifying you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's physically assaulting you. And it's nonstop. It's constant. That was and, my next question is, are these things, when they're presented, are they presenting constantly? Is there periods of like where there will be like almost like a, a quiet and then hmm. it will kind of start back up? Well, it, it, but you have to understand demonic entities are, uh, demons are um, opportunists. So they wait at the most opportune time to attack because they exist outside of time and space. So waiting five, 10 years for them is the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, it, it, what I mean by that is let's say that um, your husband leaves you, your wife leaves you, your relationship is falling apart. You know, your personal life is falling apart. You are just, uh, you're in shambles. It, it just, the depression is setting in. That's when the demonic sees a perfect opportunity. When you're strong and, and ready to go, uh, the demonic knows that that's going to be a strong battle to break the intellect and will down of the person. Uh, but when you go, so when you're going through extreme emotional stress, anxiety, depression, whatever it is that life can throw at you, that's when the demon says, now that's an opportunity right there. And then it creeps in and it begins to attack you at your most vulnerable states through oppression. So it's attacking you physically. And then at the same time, it's, it's attacking you what's called um, uh, intellectually. So it's breaking your will, your will down. It's breaking the intellect down. So you begin to hear it. It begins speaking to you. It mimics schizophrenia. It's breaking the intellect. It's making you feel you're, you're going crazy. So you isolate mm -hmm. yourself from your family, your friends, uh, your uh, people who care about you, people who will protect you. And it's telling you to isolate yourself. And, and that purpose is to break the intellect and will down of the person to the point where they can no longer fight. They can't fight. And they are just at a point of t beyond exhaustion. 
and then you have it goes into possession and even with with the possession you have perfect possession which is the uh, a person is in a possessed state all the time and then that's very dangerous because the body can only sustain so much trauma and then you have what's called transient possession and that's where the demonic will enter the body and leave at will but it still attacks the person under the stage of oppression and obsession you see when, uh, and and mm -hmm. so that again it's very and Annalise McKell uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, she suffered from a transient possession. I was going to, that was going to be my next question. If you could provide us with maybe some more commonly known cases that would fit those criterias. Yeah. You know, it was terrible, the situation with Annalise McKell. Um, she was German and she was a very, very devout, very devoted uh, Roman Catholic um, uh, believer. And, and that that's fine. That's again, People say, does it always have to be Roman Catholic? Does it? No, it does not. I mean, it, it, it certainly is anybody. I mean, uh, the closer you get to God, the harder the devil works against you. But Annalise McKell, uh, people know as Emily Rose, she, it was terrible what she endured. Um, in 1973, things became a little bit uh, disturbing. She actually became suicidal. Uh, she, she actually chastised all religious artifacts. And this was a person who was very devoted. And so was her family to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. She drank her own urine. She began to hear otherworldly uh, voices. Uh, and she actually had seven, quite a few uh, exorcisms uh, performed on her. I, I do believe that with her, uh, there was um, negligence. Uh, she was 68 pounds when she passed away. Yeah, and wow. she died in malnutrition. She died uh, died of malnutrition dehydration, which I have a soundbite of Annalise McKell uh, of 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 one of her many exorcisms, and it is it is when I go to paranormal conferences, I I pray I, I play it so people can hear it. It's terrifying. Uh, it is now now there are how there are some YouTube videos that are fake. Um, mm, that's probably so, what I've heard. Yeah, there's quite a few out there that's actually that's that's pretty pretty bad. Uh, I wish they wouldn't do that, but there are there are fake. But uh, the ones that I have actually, uh, they are legitimate, uh, legitimate sound bites. And actually, there was a sound engineer that I had him listen to it, and I asked him if uh, he can tell me how many, um, how many vocalizations were at the same time. So, in other words, if you're at a choir, you have a bass, a baritone, a, you know, a soprano, all singing all one one tone. Mm -hmm. I, and I asked him, uh, he was a sound engineer for some professional studio. And I said, can you tell me how many uh, tones, if you will, are in this particular soundbite? He says at least minimal 32, oh perhaps gosh. 37, perhaps 37. But there was between guaranteed 32 pitches, pitches at the same time. Now, Tibetan monks can do up to three and they mm -hmm. train their vocalizations all their entire life. Yeah. And, um, so they, they were able to do up to, up to three, but yeah, she, it was, it was terrible. Uh, what happened to Annalise? I, I think they should have stopped the right, uh, especially when they saw her become um, very dehydrated and malnourished. Uh, but her family just refused. They, they just, they would not continue the medicine because they believe that the medicine that she was taking from her, for her grandma epilepsy was just simply not helping. And so they stopped. They stopped all medicinal purpose. They just did, they put their faith completely into the right itself. But I do believe that the clergy should have said, you know what, we got to put the pump the brakes on this for a second uh, because her. she's clearly deteriorating. And they didn't do it. Medical and they should. Care. Have. Yeah, yeah, medical care, and then let's yep. get her healthy, and then let's, that's right. We can get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, 
begs the question back to when this type of thing starts happening, because there's always the question of what is the difference between signs of possession and then evidence of poltergeist? Are they different? Mm. Are they the same thing? Um, and what does that look like when it starts coming into somebody's life? I've heard a lot of there's a weird pattern. It starts off very minimal until the person is used to it. And then more activity and bigger, bolder signs comes through until the person is used to it. And then it just kind of happens all at once. Is that true? Is there a pattern to that? Or Well, see, I think poltergeist is... is, is, is seriously misunderstood in the paranormal community. I've, I've worked quite a few par- poltergeist cases. And mm. as I, I, can, I can speak from a clergy's perspective, uh, poltergeist means noisy ghosts, but it's not, I, I have not found it to be a ghost at all, at, at all. Uh, I've actually found it to be uh, energy, negative energy that someone is omitting who is going through extreme emotional distress. So it could be an individual or individuals. So, uh, and I found it to be 100% of the cases that I work with poltergeists, 100. And I've also found that in not one of the legitimate poltergeist cases, not one time has the minor rite of exorcism worked, not has, it had not even, it hasn't even worked. It had no effect, good or bad, increase the activity or decreasing the activity, which tells me as an exorcist that when you go into a place that has demonic infestation and you begin praying, that's, that's Mm -hmm. provocation. And when you begin the minor rite of exorcism, the activity will increase and you will mm-hmm. see a dramatic increase. With poltergeist, nothing. It, there's, no, there's no response at all. Nothing. And, wow. uh, but, it's, but it's energy. Uh, think of it like this. Uh, you're walking. I, I've talked about this before in, in other interviews. You walk down the street and someone's mm-hmm. walking towards you and you don't know that person. But you know <laughs> you don't want to know that person. Yeah. That's energy. That. <laughs> That's negative energy. Or someone walks in a room. They don't have to say a word. When I was studying in the Roman seminary, I studied with the Benedictines and the Jesuits, and there was an older Benedictine monk. And he would just walk in the room, wouldn't have to say a word. But his presence alone, you would just immediately be drawn to him and just watch everything he's doing or even mm-hmm. saying. I mean, it doesn't matter. He could just scratch his head. and You'd be thinking, wow, that's you know, that, that, just <laughs> that positive energy. It's just yeah. that, I mean, really radiating, amazing positive energy. So that's energy. And that's what poltergeist is. Actually, the number one form of destruction with poltergeist is fire. In every case, in every oh. case that I've had, so either electrical appliances will be going off, light bulbs will be mm-hmm. popping, um, or, or or electrical appliances will catching fire. So fire is the number one form of destruction with poltergeist. And here's what I have found: when you have the individual, and it takes a long time sometimes for them to trust you, because mm-hmm. many people don't want to open up and tell you, "Hey, look, yeah, we're having you know family issues or whatever it might be." Uh, because that be, they become vulnerable and there's some very serious issues, you know, trauma. Mm-hmm. But once they tell you, yeah, I'm going through some really, really tough times. This is what's happening or this individual in our family. You remove that person from the home, the activity will dramatically decrease. Now, you might have what's called residual energy, but it's very mm-hmm. limited, very, very limited. You bring that person right back into it. I mean, you have unbelievably crazy activity. And here's what's even more interesting. The person who's going through the extreme emotional stress, I've had cases where they were very devoted in their faith and they Mm -hmm. were very devoted even throughout the entire case. So they came home. They were still very devoted to to their faith in Christianity. They weren't repulsed by by religious objects. They were more than happy to be prayed over. That Mm -hmm. tells that told me that that was this was not a demonic attachment. 
This was just someone who is omitting negative energy that's causing uh, paranormal activity to occur. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of that. And I'm really glad that you brought that up because that was my next question is, is having that activity, is it helping? Is it hindering? Is it doing nothing? Um, you mean the poltergeist? Yeah. And well, the fire. Yeah. That was, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. It's very destructive. And that's a symptom of the internal struggle that an individual or individuals are, are, are enduring. So it's very mm -hmm. important. It's absolutely, I could perform a million minor minor right of exorcism, a million, and it will do nothing at all. No, absolutely nothing, not increase or decrease the activity at all. But once you get the person who is going through that extreme stress, once you get them the uh, therapy, uh, counseling that they need to reduce the, uh, uh, the activity, the activity you'll see decrease dramatically. And so, wow. so what you, I look at it from, I have a master's of education, I have a master's of business. And so for me, I look at it from an analytical perspective is when you analyze mm -hmm. it and say, okay, what's the bottom line? What's going to fix this problem? And in every single poltergeist case, a hundred percent of them, once the individual got the uh, emotional therapy that they needed, activity would decrease or stop altogether. Now I have a question for you as well. This, um, brings to mind shadow people. Hmm. How does this, how do they fit into all of this? I'm curious. You know, shadow people, that's an interesting topic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. I've been to so many locations, so many locations with shadow people. Um, I, I live in Louisville. And so uh, 35 years ago, I'm telling my age here, but 35 years ago, I actually investigated um, for the first time Waverly Hills. I have Waverly. been there as well. I can't wait to hear this. It is. I'm telling you, uh, first of all, so you've been there? I have. Yeah. We did an oh. overnight investigation. We booked um, the place and I had this weird feeling that I needed to call. It was Tina Mattingly that owned it at mm. the time. Yep. And I called her just to make sure that everything was reserved. Cause you know, we put a lot of money down to have that and they sure. messed up our reservation and they had a convention happening that weekend and oh, we no. weren't supposed to have been scheduled. And she's like, let me see what I can do. And she's like, once the convention leaves, you guys can come in and you'll literally have the entire building to yourself. Yeah. Tina and Charlie Mattingly, I know both of them. And I think they're just great people. They I really do. And matter of fact, uh, they, they, they have, from my understanding, uh, that situation has been dealt with. And so everybody mm -hmm. is happy. That's been Good. settled. So yeah, Good. they're, they're the owners of, of Waverly. That's, that doesn't, that, that, so that's. Uh, everybody is, from my understanding, it's it's all that's all fixed. Um, that's so good. there we go. But, but you know, yeah, the shadow people is a crazy thing because I've been in places where um, they have had shadow people, especially Waverly Hills. I mean, gosh, and I I never felt threatened. Uh, I I've seen I, I've seen many, especially when you know you you see them break the uh, the uh, the grid there. The a lot of people have the laser grids, and I've seen many many times, many times. Uh, where they would break the uh, the uh, uh, laser grid, but I didn't feel threatened. Now there was one time that I was downstairs with a friend of mine. It was just us, and uh, because he he was on one of the board of directors, and so we were walking, and I felt like I was being watched, and that that kind of made me a little uncomfortable because yeah. actually it was it was it was summer outside, and they don't have air conditioning inside inside the the building. Right. And we were walking and it was, it was cold. I mean, it was like someone had turned on the, the, it was like 95 degrees outside. It was like someone had turned it on to 65. It was a <laughs> dramatic temperature change, but I, I just felt like, okay, something was just saying, Hey, it's time for you guys to go. 
you know now, it, this was first floor right first floor activity yes that's what yeah that's what i remember and recall is there yeah. was something too about she would have people take a glow stick down the hallway mm -hmm. and then turn around and come back and all like that was the thing is as soon as they turned around and started coming back you would see the shadow people following them you you can it's amazing now so i've been to waverly where i've seen lots of shadow people uh and i never felt really threatened and then i've been to other locations where i've seen shadow people and absolutely there is you feel threatened i mean it was quite intense so i mean when you get when you work a demonic case you you you'll never ever uh you can never forget that feeling when you're in the presence of a true demonic entity. You, it's not something you can ever forget. Uh, I mean, your body kicks in an overdrive telling you it's time to go. Run, run, fast. Um, but there have been quite a few places that I've been to where I did see shadow people and I absolutely felt threatened. So it's interesting with shadow people. There's a lot of theories out there. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, right now, it's just we, we can't narrow it down to one scientific explanation because it appears that even demonic entities can manifest as a shadow person as well as a human spirit so uh, and even some people even say that um we're going to go even further some people even say that uh, even aliens can uh, or or bigfoot so yeah, there's so much there's so many arguments here as far as what shadow shadow people are i've never had or heard anybody have a good experience <laughs> oh, really connected to yeah i i mean i actually know some people who personally had that something following them their entire life and mm. they had a very traumatic childhood um it seems like there's a lot of negative i don't know if they feed off of the fear i don't know what it is but i was just curious if it fit into more of the line of like a paranormal or more of like the energetic who knows yeah, I mean, point, I, I think guess. both uh, because it's, it's so it's unexplained. You know, we, mm -hmm. we can't define it. Um, we just simply because, as I mentioned, uh, I've been to a lot of homes. I've been to homes where you know, they didn't they didn't feel threatened, but they did see shadow people and they, they sometimes would smell, you know, cigar smoke or mm -hmm. a perfume or, or a cologne smell. But they didn't feel threatened. They just didn't want it there. They just felt. Yeah. Un but it wasn't like a threat. So I've been to uneasy. many people's homes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you see the shadow. So I've been to many of those homes where, I, again, I didn't feel threatened. Uh, and they were shadow people. So, But I've also been to locations, as I mentioned. I've been to many homes and, uh, you know, the uh, you know, Bobby Mackey's with the Ghost Adventures. And yes. then um, at the Exorcist house. Uh, mm -hmm. I, well, I did Exorcism Live on the Travel Channel. That was – and then, of course, um, I'm, I'm Eli Roth. So I, I'm on a brand-new television show. Uh, called uh, Eli Roth presents Legion of Exorcists. It's coming out June 1st. So I'm a cast member and, and we talked quite a bit about uh, our experiences with shadow people. And it's interesting to have the diverse responses from the, from the clergy. I'm very excited for that. I know yes. when we release this episode, we're actually going to wait until October to release this. But um, once we get to the end, we're of course going to ask you know, some questions on where people can find out what you're doing, but mm -hmm. I, we had read about that. So I'm very excited. Yeah. I think that's going to be fascinating. He's a very cool guy. Uh, Eli Roth is a very, very nice person, very he quiet, like very him. reserved, which is quite it, interesting when you see some of his movies. Considering. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. very interesting. Um, well, Blair, what do you think? Do you think we should get into um, the things that the meat of this episode? Yeah, I agree. Sorry. I've been, 
I've also been trying to sift through our questions because we've been covering as we've been going. Okay. So our bigger questions for you, uh, we've, we've, we've discussed uh, signs of it happening, what um, precautions are taken to really truly understand if this is a possession or not um, going through the steps of seeking, you know, mental health checks and whatnot. Mm. Um, so when we come down to your, you're going to a session, if you're comfortable with sharing, what was your, what was it like during your first experience with an exorcism? Um, what was your experience? How did it feel? What did you witness? What was it like for all of your senses? Were you were you questioning reality? Um, do you do you care to do you care to share? If not, that's okay. As much well, as you're able to yeah. share, of course, with privacy right. and all of that. Oh sure, yeah. sure, Just, sure, sure. You know, yeah, I can't even imagine what would have been on your mind. Yeah. And also before, how long did you actually have to train to be yeah. able to do an exorcism? Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be a priest when I was five, and uh, I knew I wanted to be a. Uh, I studied demonology. I began studying demonology at nine, and so wow. for me, wow. I, I have I have always, and I didn't really understand why. I just knew that I could not put the books down. It was it becoming it really became an obsession. Uh, I didn't understand it, and uh, but I knew that I, I had to continue to read it. That was just one of those things I, I could not stop. So I, I studied for the uh, Roman Catholic uh, priesthood, and I went to uh, Loyola University in Chicago. So I studied with the Benedictines. I also studied with the uh, well, studied with the Benedictines in the uh, Benedictine College, and then uh, Loyola University. So I studied with the Jesuits. Then went to graduate school. So I had a great opportunity to learn. Uh, I mean, unbelievable amount of just a plethora of information with demonology, angelology, theology. Mm -hmm. um, that was quite intense. I, I would say probably my first exorcism was was one I that's it's always an eye opener. It's uh, it's I talked about that in the show, and I've talked about this before. But I was the assistant. I was not the primary at that time. I was the assistant, and uh, it was a a girl who had done some done some stuff she shouldn't have done in her you know her younger years, mm -hmm. uh, and that was the first time that I saw what I would describe as levitation. Uh, but it wasn't a, a levitation that you see like on the exorcist movie. It was a levitation where her body was flat and her, like this was her torso. And mm -hmm. she just went up just like a V shape, just like this. I mean, it was, oh. it, it was like someone had just taken a rope and just done like, and I heard her vertebrae crack and oh, I thought she'd broken her back. I mean, but gosh. she just, it, she didn't put, there was no, she just pushed up. Her, her knees weren't pushing up or anything. It was just a, just like that. And that was the time when I saw her eyes. I will never, ever forget the blackness of her eyes. It was, uh, it, I could see my reflection. It was like looking, it was like looking in a mirror. So during the wow. rite, you lift the eyelids to, to find out where the person is during the stage and uh, mm -hmm. possession. And I lift the eyelids up and her eyes were solid black. And is it, is it her hmm? pupil expanding? It, is that what's happening? Is it like it's expanding out? It's all black. There's, there's everything. It is. It's like someone had put a a black uh, contact lens covering her entire eyes. But oh it, it was it was it wasn't the, a dull black. It was a shiny black. It was like a black mirror where I could see my wow. reflection. And that was the one time in my life that I felt like prey. I've absolutely that was the most vulnerable experience I've ever had in my life. 
I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do anything. I, I was, I was like completely, I, I was stunned. It, it was just, uh, I, I felt unbelievably vulnerable thinking, how in the heck am I going to, I couldn't even process anything except for, I'm just, I, I'm looking in the eyes of an apex predator and I know that I'm prey. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that was, I would imagine it's the same feeling that if you had uh, a rabbit being cornered by a pack of wolves, knowing that there's no way out. It was just that type of feeling. And uh, wow. thankfully, I, I, you know, the, the, the exes, the primary pulled me back and we did a blessing and we continued. That was, um, you read about demon, you, I, I read about them all my life. I've studied demonology. I've studied what could happen. I've studied the voices. I've studied the language. I've studied, but when you're there and you're actually in the presence of someone who is really possessed, everything that you know and everything you think you know uh, is turned upside down. Wow. How, how does that affect you now after even, I know you've done more, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. How does that affect you in day-to-day life? Has it really changed how you view the world? Uh, not so much uh, of of the world, because I know uh, that ultimately, when it comes to demons, uh, God is far superior, mm-hmm. far more powerful. And I, I, we're, we live in a society where we're, I've talked about this before, where we're putting demons here and God down here. And I'm very troubled by that type of mentality, because I tell people the moment that you pray is the moment that demons begin to tremble in fear. And we, we think sometimes that we have to be uh, the victims of demons. Well, if you're going to victimize yourself, then that's exactly what's going to happen. And they're going to mm-hmm. take credit for it. And so I, I, that's my mantra every single day. I will not be your victim. I will mm-hmm. not be your victim. No matter what, the, no matter what, how they attack me, I'm just not going to allow that to occur. I'm, I'm not going to put my mindset in a victim mentality because if I do that, then I'm, I'm oppressing myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm doing the work for them. Right. So for me, I, my faith is unbelievably strong because of what I've seen, but my faith was strong before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will tell you that once I, and what's, what's interesting, what's very, very interesting also, I performed 30 exorcisms on people who were validly possessed. And that's after a psychological evalu- evaluation and clearly there's possession. But I will tell mm-hmm. you, I will say this, the moment that I bring this out, the rosary, the mm-hmm. moment that I bring the rosary out is the moment that I get the most aggressive reaction in all 30 cases. I mean, a very aggressive reaction, which is, says a lot. And of course we call, these are sacramentals of the church, Mm -hmm. like the rosary or holy water or Mm -hmm. incense, blessed oil. Uh, Those are all considered uh, sacramentals of the church that we use tools of the church that we use to combat evil. So I, I don't, um, I don't fear demons. Mm-hmm. However, I understand uh, that they, they cause extreme uh, anxiety and pain and suffering on, on people. And I acknowledge that, uh, but that's what you have to work with people with, you know, when they're struggling with demonic infestation, oppression, or possession, you have to work with them about strengthening their faith. And uh, because you have to have ongoing, especially after the event is over, you have to have ongoing uh, psychological help for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and spiritual help, because if you don't, then, you know, they can fall right into the trap of victim mentality. Right. 
I have, I have a question for you, Bishop. Have you ever felt like you are being targeted mm. by these things? Do you, has anything ever affected you in, in your personal space? Oh, sure. What, and, and to, to what extreme is that? I was 420 pounds. Okay. So you were dealing with. Uh, I was dealing with, so if I was uh, depressed, I went to chocolate or sweets. If I was happy, I went to sweets. If I was bored, I went to sweets. If I was lonely, I went to sweets. And it amplified that. It amplified that weakness times a hundred. When I did exorcism live with chip coffee on the travel channel in 2015, I was 420 pounds. And people, when I tell them people that, like, oh, no, no, you weren't. No, 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 you weren't. But I, I, yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm trying to, I'm looking for the picture now so I can show you a side by side. And that's when I, because the demonic was using my weaknesses as a form of control and manipulation to, to stop me from doing this ministry. And, but, but I, I had to get control of that because if I didn't, I would have to have stopped. I would have to have said, okay, that's it. I'm going to have to retire, either retire and uh, quit the, the, the ministry altogether, or I'm going to have to fix myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, I, I took some time off because if I hadn't, uh, I wouldn't be here today. So like, for example, this is when I did uh, exorcism live. Wow. Wow. So that was 420 pounds compared to now. Wow. And it took a lot. It, it, it the thing was, is when you're, when you're clergy, you want to help people. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with so much uh, demand for my time. And the, I, I tell people all the time, the hardest part of this ministry is not actually dealing with um, the demons. The hardest part of this ministry is when I'm, when someone's talking to me on the phone and they're begging me, they're pleading with me, they're crying over the phone, please get here. And I can't. Because I, I don't charge. I've never charged in over two decades and never will charge. I have never, I pay for it all out of my own pocket. So how I got to rent a car or get a plane or somehow I got to get there. And I don't get paid as being mm -hmm. clergy. So the church doesn't pay us. We get, this is hundred percent free, this ministry. Mm -hmm. So I, I, what, you know, I work. And so that money that I work, that I generate from that secular work, I have to pay for, you know, going to people's homes. Mm -hmm. So if someone tells me, look, I'm in California or I'm in New York or I'm in Texas or whatever, I'm, I'm, that's the hardest part is, is me having to tell a family, I, I can't get to you right now. I just, I can't afford $1,500. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to wait for a month or two and, and try to raise that money. That's the hardest part. So that was taking a toll Yeah, because it was interesting because during that time I was slammed. I was slammed with people begging me to help them. And I kept telling people, I'm sorry, I can't. And that was taking a toll on me because I felt like I was uh, not doing what I was supposed to do. So that's the hardest part of doing this ministry. Wow. How many people, you mentioned that there's like groups of exorcists and teams of exorcists. Mm -hmm. How many people are there in the U.S. that are legitimately doing this work? Uh, not many. Uh, not many. Uh, and, and I say that because uh, there's a lot of people who take advantage of, of people. And I think that's an abomination. There's a lot of people who go in and pretend to be exorcists and then put, uh, you know, videos all over YouTube. I, I find that I find that to be an abomination. I agree. And, and, and not only that, yeah. but I think it invalidates their ministry. 
Mm -hmm. uh, if anybody is going to uh, go to your home, claim to be clergy and uh, perform an exorcism or deliverance on someone of your loved one to put it on YouTube to get likes and, and get a check, I think that person really has invalidated their entire ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, because to me, I think that is uh, that is unbelievably appalling. That's why people say, well, why don't we, we ever, ever see an exorcism, one of your exorcisms? You never will, because I want to get to heaven. That's, that's mm -hmm. my goal. Uh, my goal is to get to heaven. And I personally believe that if I go to someone's home and I take advantage of that person's suffering, spiritual, psychological trauma and their family, just so that I can get a buck off YouTube, I truly believe I will lose my salvation over that. Uh, because I think that is, that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that is making a mockery of this right. And you never, ever uh, will ever see. I, I, that'll never, it'll, those are sealed and they will never be open. Now, uh, there, has, there was a case where I was allowed to talk about it. The family said yes, because they wanted me to educate people. And this was an incubus case. It was mm -hmm. very violent. I'm it not was, familiar with any cases. So if you're willing to share what you're able to share. Yeah, I can talk. I can talk about this. As a matter of fact, I even had the daughter on. Um, she was in, she's in her 40s. So I had her on uh, to talk about the, the, the case. Uh, if she was in Tennessee, she was 68 years old. Uh, when the, when the, I got involved with this case, the family had contacted me because um, I, I got to be very careful because I don't know how many, uh, what your audiences are, are children or are they all adults? No, they're all okay. adults. They're all adults. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have uh, an explicit rating. Yep. Okay. Yeah. This is a trigger warning for everybody. So everybody be oh, aware. Yeah. This is uh, her, her private area and her anal area had been ripped. And uh, she described it as a plunger uh, being violently uh, assaulting her. And she would be on the bed. And she said that it was like three 10-pound, but she would describe these uh, as three 10-pound dogs walking towards her. She could feel them walking towards her and then grabbing her and, and violently attacking her. Now, she, under, she underwent through hell. Uh, she had to stop driving. And what made this a very difficult case for me is I grew to, to deeply fall. I just, I just fell in love with the family. Mm -hmm. She was just one of those, the sweetest people. I, she was like a grandma. She'd want, come on in. Let me feed you. Let me, what, how are you doing? And she's just so full of love. She was an independent, strong woman, but she was, she was just so full of love and so grateful that someone was willing to listen. Uh, and her family, her, her doctor actually contacted me. said, I, I, we have no explanation for this. So, I got involved and I worked with her for three years. Wow. And uh, that was the one case in my life where I thought about quitting because it wasn't working. And I was doing everything that I was trained to do and uh, it wasn't going away. And I remember going to my mentor uh, and I, he's an old, um, he's an old feller, been in, been in ministry for a long, long time. And I told him, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm fixing this, I'm doing, I'm saying this. And then he said, boy, can you just get off the cross and let Jesus have a try? <laughs> and I thought, now, wait a minute, Father, that's not very nice. That's not very nice. What do you mean by that? Come on. And he said, James, the problem is all I've heard you say is I, 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 you're doing nothing. You're an instrument that God is using. And this person will be delivered in God's time and not yours. And if it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. But you got to learn to humble yourself. And remember, it's not you that's expelling this demon. I needed to hear that because the demon was, the demonic was attacking uh, my emotional attachment to the family, to her. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling very vulnerable and uh, almost to a point where I was just simply not worthy 
uh, at all or trained or there's somebody else, somebody, there's somebody better out there that can do this more than me. And, and that was going through all my mind. I, I was really close to, to walking away, but I needed that swift kick in the rear end, um, which I'm grateful for. And, mm-hmm. uh, but her last, so her last year of her life, she was no longer assaulted, but she would sometimes fill the bed walkers, but they don't, they didn't touch her anymore. And then when she passed away, her family asked me to uh, preside at her funeral, which was emotional. So I, I've had uh, I've had her daughter come on to the show and she talked about it. And uh, the, it was terrible because the family was told by at clergy after clergy, we don't want to deal with you. We, or or they'd say, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll come to your house. And they charge eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars and just take advantage, you know, do this hocus pocus magic nonsense mm-hmm. and uh, just take advantage of these people. And that's what they did. So. It makes you wonder why some people are tar- like targeted, like this person. I don't know anything about her, but from what yeah. it sounds like, she was a really wonderful person. And maybe mm-hmm. that's the thing. Maybe the demons really enjoy ruining the lives of good people. And that's something that they really take pleasure in. Um, well, her, it was black magic. Um, her, it was oh. interesting. Uh, because her daughter-in-law wanted her property. So her daughter-in-law wanted her out of her house because she had a, a nice house and she had a lot of property and, and her daughter wanted it. And she's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to the nursing home. I'm not ready to go to the nursing home. You can't have my property. Mm-hmm. So she had cut a slice of her hair and, uh, she, she, you know, she said, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And she's all, oh, you'll find out. And apparently after that, that's when all hell broke loose in her house. That's the only thing that I can come up with as far as explaining why she was attacked. That was the only, that was the only way there, there was no other, um, there was no other explanation. That makes sense. That's a perfect segue. I think to you, um, Blair, you had some questions about cursed objects and the big, the, uh, Ouija board conversation, which we have very strong opinions about. (laughs) Yes. I love to hear, I love to hear your opinions on that. (laughs) I will let you lead this. (laughs) Well, have you been noticing that curses or bad intentions toward an an individual from somebody else has played a big role in possessions that you yeah, actually curses is uh for my the cases that i have worked most of the cases i'd say the majority of them were not uh, brought about by curses it was okay. actually brought about by uh invitation uh either okay. accidental or on purpose so that's what the legit most of I would say most of my cases were because of either accidental or purposeful invitation. So people gotcha. dabbling in things like black magic and yeah. witchcraft and the Ouija board. Yes, the segue. That's right. <laughs> we we <laughs> actually are doing an entire episode. Blair is going to be covering an entire episode on Ouija boards and cursed objects. I think it might come out before this episode, but yeah, we will potentially. You, Take it away, Blair. <laughs> I know you're. <laughs> we we've discussed that topic a lot, actually, and Hallie and I are both on the same page. Of I don't want it in my home, <laughs> even if I'm not using it. I just don't want it. it I don't. Want I don't it. want to be around it. If <laughs> yep. somebody has one in their home, exactly. I don't want to be. I don't want to step foot in that house. Exactly. I have heard a couple of people in different interviews. Um, and in written articles that they take a scientific approach to to 
just kind of analyzing Ouija boards and saying that really it's just a tool and the people that use it, if you don't know how to use it, you know, what is a tool really going to do? If you don't know how to use a hammer and you break your finger, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Do you think that that's the case? Is it a tool or is it completely like, no, no, no. (laughs) Uh, it's it's divination because here, here's mm-hmm. the problem. Here's the problem with these people are not recognizing. Now they're trying to say, well, it's just like a tool, like a digital recorder or any type of device that you use that you hold. And that, mm-hmm. No, 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 it's not <laughs> because with the digital recorder and with a, a digital thermometer, you're not asking the spirit to control your hand so that you can move the planchet. So don't give right. me that nonsense. You're right. actually having, you're asking a spirit to control your motor functions of your hand so that you can move this device around the board and then it can read it out. There's a big difference. So people try to use that nonsense to say, well, it's no, 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 no. You're asking a spirit to control your motor functions. Don't give me that, that it is the same thing as using Mm -hmm. a a digital recorder or digital thermometer. Oh, no, it is not. No, I disagree a hundred percent. Anytime you give any type of spirit the invitation to control your motor functions, mm-hmm. you that, that's, that's all it needs. It's the invite. Right. That's opening right. the door. It's absurd. It's, it's, and here, and people always tell me, well, I've been doing it for 20 years and nothing has ever happened to me. And then I say, yet. Right. Because it's only because a it's not good. It, it's, it, that's right. And it, and it will happen when your wife leaves you, your husband leaves you, your significant other leaves you, you lose your job, your, your life is going to hell in a handbasket and you're mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And that's when the demon says, oh, by the way, remember that invitation that you gave me to use your muscular system to move the planchet? I think I'm going to take that invitation now. Yeah, and now, and now there's a whole new level. Oh, of course. Right. And now there's the, the Holy Spirit board. Oh, I'm not. I that. haven't heard of that. It, it, you're, it, I'm telling you, uh, you're going to absolutely, when you see this, you're, I don't know about, about you, uh, cause I don't know. It's none of my business, but um, I, when I saw this, I was disgusted. I was I, disgusted. I can't even wrap my brain yeah. around uh, that. So now basically what it is, it is the Ouija board, but they're trying to say it's the Holy spirit. You can use this board to oh. communicate with Jesus now. So well, it, it is, it is, it's appalling. Is it new? It, it is appalling. Uh, yeah, it just came out. Uh, matter of fact, let me just, uh, I can pull it up here. Oh it, it's, my it is absurd. But that's what, and people are buying this and they're thinking that it's okay. They're thinking that it's okay because they're advertising as, well, it's the Holy as Spirit. A different you're, thing. you're communicating with the Holy Spirit. You're not communicating no. with something evil. No, you're communicating and, with something that's pretending to be. Yeah. You, the you thing guys you have think to. It is. Please talk. Here it is right here. And so instead of the, oh the, the, the planchet, oh, so they have no. the, they have a cross and, um, so you, it's the same principle and the people are buying this and, be, and they're buying, they're buying into this it is, so it is abomination. That's, oh my that's gosh. That's insane. And I feel like we had questions too, about like the balance of good and evil in the world. Yeah. And like, is that tipping into a certain, does it have to stay in balance or what, what, because that seems like another way for evil to get in is like under the guise of something that's supposed to be good. And it's just Mm -hmm. like basically more Ouija boards, just a different name. Well, I'm very deeply concerned and I've been, I've called people out and they don't like it, but I don't care. Uh, Now Satanists are saying, well, we don't worship Satan. 
Luciferians, well, you don't really worship Lucifer. We're, don't give me that nonsense. You can, you, if, don't put makeup on a pig and call it a cow. It is. If you're going to worship Satan, you're worshiping Satan. Don't sit there and tell me you're, oh, well, no, it's really an atheism. No, it's not. Then say you're an atheist. But don't sit there and tell me you're a Satanist and use Satanism because they actually recently just in Boston had uh, the National Convention of Satanist Convention. Do you know that? No. You might want to look that up. It was they just recently in Boston. It was the National Satanic Convention. And they had people go into this because everybody was saying, oh, we don't worship Satan. No, no, we don't do that. However, there were some reporters that went in there and they were people were going in, hail Satan, hail Satan. They were chanting Ugh. demon names. They were summoning demon names. Uh, so it's like, now, wait a minute. If you're not worshiping Satan, then why in the hell are you sitting there? Hail Satan, hail Satan, and actually summoning demons. You're a liar. You're a deceiver. And that's what's happening now. They're calling themselves Satanists. But then, oh, no, 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 no. It's all about bettering yourself. It's about helping other people. No, that's called Christianity. If you follow Christianity and Christ teaching, because Christ, Christ taught to love one another, to share and to help one another. That's what's Christianity. So don't sit there and try to steal the Christian tenets of life and then call yourself a Satanist and try to pass that off that you don't worship Satan. You know what? That's and I, if that's the case, then I'm the Pope. Yeah. So uh, the problem is yeah, wow. there, there are Satanists going around trying to redefine themselves. And again, mm -hmm. I, look, I, I have friends from all walks of life. I have friends that are atheists, agnostic. I have friends that are Satanists. I have friends that are Muslim, that are Jewish. However, I don't have to agree with their beliefs. And I don't like this re this rebranding themselves and redefining themselves to make them more appealing. And that's exactly mm -hmm. what they're doing. They're attacking Christianity, saying how Christian is so terrible because Christians attack people and judge. And I understand people turn away from the Christian church because mm -hmm. of their experience, maybe with a bad pastor. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Uh, I get it. However, they are what the Satanists are doing is jumping on top of that and you use you know utilizing the emotional trauma that came with a pastor that should have had, had no business being a pastor in the first place and turning people away and spreading lies and convincing mm -hmm. people oh, it's Satanism. Well, we don't worship Satan. Yes, you do. Don't you? You're a liar. Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, I, it definitely yeah. feels like there's something is going on in the world, especially mm -hmm. I don't want to use the C word, but since COVID, it seems like it's even more extreme and mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, we I call it cafeteria it's... religion. I'm just concerned with so many people. Um, so many people are, and I understand people well, I'm not spiritual, but I'm, I'm religious. I, I get, I, I get that, that term, but remember, uh, Religious people hated Jesus too. As a matter of fact, they crucified him. Mm -hmm. So, but there's a difference between man's law and Christ's law. The Christ that I am in love with, that I teach about, is a Christ that defended the prostitute, defended the lepers, defended mm -hmm. the children, the drunkards, the people that were outcasts, that he gave them a voice. They were the voiceless. And that's, the, that's what I think Christianity has lost. Because so many people uh, want to use the pulpit as a scare tactic to judge and condemn and tell everybody they're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell. And they're, they're creating this identity of Christ that I'm like, I don't know that Christ. I, I have no idea. What, that, that Christ is not the Christ that I worship. Mm -hmm. And so what's happening is, is they're jumping on uh, these many of these groups are jumping on these, these fake preachers who are preaching fire, hell and damnation, which I, I believe in heaven and hell. But mm -hmm. I don't believe in a Christ that is hateful, that is condemning. I believe in, in a Christ that loves all of us. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, people are turned away from Christianity because of what the, 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 the disgusting behavior of preachers who preach what's called the prosperity gospel, which is heretical. Prosperity gospel is when a preacher says, the more money you give a ministry, the more God is going to bless you. That is heresy. Mm-hmm. That is heresy. That is not biblical. God doesn't give a damn how much money you give a, a ministry. God's going to bless you because you're a child of God. So, and they make you think that you have to put more money in the, t- in the plate in order for God to bless you. That is a lie. That is the devil speaking. Remember, the devil can quote scripture too. Mm-hmm. So any preacher who sits there and preaches, oh, you got to give more money. You got to give more. People are turned away. They're, they're turned off on that. And I understand that. I get it. Yeah. Uh, I would be too, because it's right. all about money and power. And that's not Christianity. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's add one quick thing too, about the cursed objects. Um, yes. kind of to get back to that. that. Um, Blair, you go for it. <laughs> we were actually just talking about this before you got on. Um, mm. When it comes to cursed objects, we were talking about Ed and Lorraine um, just before this, and they had their basement that was full Mm -hmm. of items that they had taken, and they had somebody come in and bless them regularly. Do Do you think that it's something to where inanimate objects can be possessed? We were talking about, is it? No, no. Not okay. possessed. Uh, uh, people are possessed, but you have uh, objects are have an attachment. So de- demons can mm-hmm. use and manipulate objects. But all mm-hmm. the possession, the, the point of possession is the destruction of the body because the body is mm-hmm. the temple, of, uh, the living temple of the Holy Spirit. We are mm-hmm. created in the image of God, not objects. So the desecration of objects, it would be irrelevant. That would not be the point of a demonic entity. So, mm-hmm. but they will use objects certainly to entice us to then get. So for, I, I have, I have a, a pretty large collection of haunted items that I have removed from people's homes. I don't have it in my home. I have them in the storage home, in the storage facility, uh, because people purchase these things. And I, I, I don't leave them alone. Leave them alone for the love of yeah. God. Matter of fact, I, I can't talk a whole lot about it, but on uh, the, uh, the presentation uh, on, the, on the show that's coming out, mm-hmm. I, I talk about one particular doll that a family purchased. And when I tell you all hell broke loose, all, as a matter of fact, uh, it caused a massive fire. Because I, I, I've oh, talked wow. about this before, uh, but not only did it do it when I, I brought this doll uh, to Louisville Mid South Paranormal Conference in Louisville, Kentucky. A room full of people was there. I was talking about the dangers uh, of collecting these items, and I had it in a protective case. And people were like, "Oh, please take it out, please take it." Normally, I would never do it, but they, so I said, "Okay, fine." So I took it out and I showed it. That no, no one wanted to touch it. They didn't want to be around it. Well, a firefighter was sitting in the front row. And I was going to put it back in its place. So I turned around to put it back in its box. And someone asked me a question and I got distracted. And I put it right next to my laptop, a laptop that I've been saving for a long time because I needed to update my laptop. And mm-hmm. I put it next to my laptop. And I didn't put it back in the case. I turned around and was addressing the question. And the firefighter said, screaming, Bishop Long, look behind you. I turned behind me. The laptop was on fire. Oh, now, oh this was gosh. actually witnessed by an entire room full of people. And when that happened, I had always heard about, you know, people have always talked to me about that. But when I saw that, I mean, the the laptop caught fire. It was on Mm -hmm. fire. That's when I thought, oh, you know, this stuff is not make believe. This is serious stuff. Yeah. Um, And so that was my, I guess, introduction to to the reality. These things are not to play with. So I I have, matter of fact, 
uh, I do have these. These are in a protective case. Uh, a family brought these, and I, I don't know why the heck they would buy them, uh, but these are a real. Uh, these are originals, and they're very, very rare. They're hard to find. But you'll see this. Oh. If you look closely, the signature there, and then oh, uh, no. and then here's this. Here's another one. I know who that is, Blair. Do you know who that is? But, it, no. but, but you'll but you'll know this. I know. And this who is this is it. This is an original. Is it the clown? Oh no! <gasps> do you know oh. who it is now? Yes, I do. I, saw the, I got goosebumps because I saw. So there's the... a signature, John Wayne Gacy. And on some of the red on the clown, what he would do is poke his uh, finger, oh, no. and he would actually put some of his blood uh, to curse the actual object itself. He was a oh, sick person. No. So oh. the family actually brought these uh, these items home. And uh, oddly enough, activity was occurring in their home and they, they couldn't figure out why. It's like, well, what do you think? And so, uh, <laughs> and so I, I had to perform the minor rite of exorcism there and uh, remove those items. But yeah, I take these uh, to sometimes the paranormal conferences and I, and I share with some of the items that I have. And I'm like, this, leave these things alone. There's mm -hmm. nothing good that's got, a lot of people are collecting them, leave them alone. Yeah. So something negative is attaching itself to those objects and then it's manipulating yeah. people is what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's enticing. In it almost way. gets, yeah, it almost gets to a point where the person becomes obsessed. Obsessed. That was the word I mean, it is like, they got to have it. They can't, I mean, it, it is an unhealthy obsession and that's that enticement and mm -hmm. you collect it. I have some things that are even more, I mean, some things that will just make, I mean, give you goosebumps. I mean, the, the really, really, there's one particular item that I have that is human hair. It covers, have you ever seen the, the wig, like a, where you put your little thing on the wigs? I don't know what they call them, a wig oh, holder. Like the mannequin heads? Yeah, yeah the, like a mannequin head. head. Yeah. yeah. The entire mannequin head, the entire mannequin head is actually filled with human hair all around it. And it has these really, really dark eyes. And apparently there was some voodoo that was, uh, that was done on this thing for the person to, to live through this item. And this person brought it, uh, he just found it on his doorstep. And he, cause, cause he sold in, in uh, New Orleans, he, he kind of sells unique things like this. And he mm -hmm. brought it and he put it right there in the display and no one would go into his store. They no, I mean, his store was busy. Uh, but as soon as he put that in there, no one, I mean, they, he didn't have one customer for two weeks, not one wow. customer. And so I, I have this item and I'm telling you what, this is, uh, I've never seen something this creepy, but it's a creepy I, item. Oh my gosh. Wow. No, thank you. Yeah. So no. is there a way to, and I know we talked about that where, you know, they would come in to bless Ed and Lorraine Warren's basement. Is there a way to get rid of items like that safely? Or is it just kind of there now and you have to store them away? You really need to give them to clergy. Uh, it, it don't burn them. Uh, mm -hmm. You need to give them the clergy. Clergy will properly bless them, seal them. And that's why, that's why I do this. I take it mm -hmm. from people. I yeah, it, it would be a, a lot less costly because then I wouldn't have to have a storage facility. I have a storage yeah. facility strictly for these haunted items. Uh, so I don't sell them, never will sell them. I'm not ever going to sell mm -hmm. these items. And so, but I do teach about them. Because mm -hmm. I, I, it's important for me to say, hey, look, you need to know that this is what happened in this family. And I have lots of Ouija boards. I have old Ouija boards that people have left, uh, have said, that's it. We're done with it. Uh, I have a lot of satanic uh, rituals, knives, um, uh, or whatever they call it, uh, 
daggers that they used for um, animal ritualistics uh, rituals. Um, I have a skull, uh, an animal skull. I mean, I have a satanic uh, altar that they actually use Mm -hmm. at uh, one of the cemetery. And so, yeah, there's it's it's pretty dark stuff there. That is that's crazy. I guess the other question we could cover uh, just about that topic um, before we move on, there's two more questions, but uh, Hallie and I were discussing this also before you jumped on. We were talking about the percentage of animal possessions. Is it possible? Uh, I know that in the Bible, um, there is the story where it was cast out into pigs and they went over the cliff. So how... How is that? How is that done? Is it is it something that happens? Right. Yeah. And, and that's and we're talking about Matthew chapter uh, eight, yeah. verse 28. And, and the reason being is because they wanted uh, they knew that Jesus, they recognized Jesus as the judge, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And they they that's why they said, you know, do not. Uh, uh, you know, we are many. They said that we are many. Yeah. And they begged Jesus not to send them away, send them away mm-hmm. to eternal fire, to, to the lake of sulfur. And they actually said, let's just throw us into the swine instead. Well, the mm-hmm. swine were filthy, considered filthy animals, very yeah. filthy. And so in Revelation, it actually talks about that in the end, they will be judged and thrown into the lake of sulfur. So mm-hmm. they were just trying to put off the inevitable and to be mm-hmm. thrown into the into, into the swine, which were filthy, unclean, unclean animals. That was the point of the story. Mm-hmm. But I have I have had cases before where a family had a demonic infestation and uh, the the demons seemed to uh, attack uh, also the dogs. I've had cases where the dogs passed away, got very, oh, no. very sick, very, very, I mean, very healthy dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as they had demonic infestation, they, it was uh, violent. It was not, a, it was not a, it was not a pleasant uh, thing that they went through. Uh, it was unbelievably violent. And that's the point uh, of destroying the person's intellect and will, because mm-hmm. you're seeing something, you're seeing your fur baby, you know, have seizures and regurgitate violently. And you're, you're Mm -hmm. seeing them having these horrible attacks, which they've never had before. And they were never diagnosed with any type of brain tumor or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just, it happened and it's happened before and and it breaks your, it breaks your wheel down. So yes, I have Mm -hmm. seen demons will attack animals and, uh, but they primarily attack them to use uh, as a, just as another means, as a pawn, if you will, in a, in a game of chess. To attack mm-hmm. the owner so right that's what i break found. it would break you to see your animal suffer of course like that yeah yeah that. certainly it certainly yeah. would me because I, when i had animals i mean they were they were my fur babies They're and, family. Uh, yeah they are yeah. family for yeah. sure definitely the last question that we have regarding um influences with that kind of thing um cursed objects and what have you we we've definitely seen you on tiktok um looking at videos to see, you know, is this truly a possession or not? Is this a hoax, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Do you think, uh, and this came in from one of our listeners, do you think that, let's say you're watching a YouTube video and it's something along the lines of watching an, an exorcist, as we know, I'm air quoting for listeners right now, um, or just a situation in general, could the viewer potentially get possessed through just watching a video? Is it kind of like a cocktail, like we were talking about? If they're going through some really bad things in their life, is it just the right 
amount of exposure for that to yeah. happen. You know, it's really interesting because this is, you know, what you're dealing with modern technology where it never, it never existed prior to, you mm -hmm. know, 1990s and 2000s. And so this is kind of a new uh, revolutionary idea of how can the demons now use technology for the purposes of influence, mm -hmm. which really has, there, there's some debate on that uh, in, in a lot of the theological, uh, I guess, circles of, you know, of people who are studying this. It does appear certainly that demons are utilizing uh, our uh, technology for their for their benefit. Uh, they ha we certainly see this with uh, cameras, we uh, uh, and other devices that can pick that can capture something that these these um, EVPs, the, the digital recorders for that, or, or just mm -hmm. a, or, or a, I've seen so many cases where they had a, a baby monitor and uh activity will occur and you're like that that's a, that's an interesting video there that's that's one of those things that makes you scratch your head and say that could be legitimate mm -hmm. so we do we are seeing uh the demonic are able to so can they use technology for their benefit absolutely no if yeah. answer buts about it that's why i tell people you don't need to watch movies where if mm -hmm. they do any type of summoning stay away from it there's nothing mm -hmm. good there are actually movies where they are summoning demons and yeah. they do chants there's movies out there where they convince you that you can have a, a buddy as a demon mm -hmm. and, and all this other nonsense. Stay away from those. Those movies will do nothing good and stay away from watching YouTube videos of people claiming that they're performing exorcisms. Just mm -hmm. simply don't watch them uh, because number one, most of them are fraud. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's, it's misleading people. And uh, it, it certainly is. Abs I'm absolutely convinced that anyone who places, you know, performing exorcism on people on YouTube there. I just, I have a real hard time accepting that as being guided by the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. So I, I would, I don't watch, I don't watch exorcism movies. I, I have watched it because the, uh, um, father Amorth, uh, the Pope's exorcist. I wanted mm -hmm. to see I how they portrayed that, that recently too. So I, yeah, I, I wanted to see that for, but I don't go on YouTube. I don't watch, mm -hmm. I don't like watching these things uh, because yeah. I just, I just find them uh, not really worthy of my time. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to uh, like or, or show a view of this person taking advantage of someone suffering, whether it be mental mm -hmm. illness or an actual possession. Right. Do you believe that people make soul contracts i know that a person doesn't technically own their soul because it doesn't belong to them but you know you hear stories about people that just randomly get really famous and rich and you know there's the old story about the blues singer robert johnson and the crossroads is that have you heard of something like that ever happening and if so how do they break the contract uh, well, yeah, um, uh, I absolutely am convinced uh, that uh, that 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 does happen, and um, and that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And in the in the Catholic tradition, uh, we only say that the only way uh, that you're going to uh, have that removed is through the sacrament of reconciliation, because that is considered that would be considered a, a mortal sin, mm -hmm. in which you purposely remove yourself from God's grace. And uh, I encourage you, uh, it's a very interesting story uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, but the devil's Bible. Uh, if you don't know this, 
this is pretty interesting. I, I've read it extensively, and I can't, uh, I, I, from a, a logical, a analytical perspective, um, if you, if your folks read it, it about it, it, it's, it's, it's very strange about how this, how this happened. It's, the, it's a giant codex. Uh, it was uh, created in the uh, 13th century <clears throat> in a Benedictine monastery, actually, which was really interesting. And um, so it, it's, well, you'll have to watch it. You'll have to take a look at it and, and read it on yourself. But uh, it was created very quickly, very quickly uh, by uh, an alleged monk who mm -hmm. was uh, going to be put to death. And uh, allegedly he sold his soul uh, to the devil. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty crazy if you haven't read it. Is that Cause, something cause it, that's safe to read? Yeah, that was my question. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would, I, well, you're not going to, uh, unless you know Latin. But no, you can certainly read about it. And, okay, um, okay. you know, because basically uh, what happened, the, the story is, you know, a Benedictine monk, I'm a, I'm a Benedictine. So uh, we're, Benedictines are rather strict. <laughs> we're, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but he was sentenced uh, to be walled up alive, put in a wall oh my God. because wow. he broke his vows. That's, 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 and so uh, what he did, he, you know, he went to the abbot and he said, look, I'm going to promise you something in one night, in one night, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to create a book. Uh, it would include all human knowledge, give you everything and everything. I mean, it, you'll have all the information you'll po possibly know. And uh, in one night. And so uh, the, the abbot said, okay, fine. And it was interesting. It was 620 pages, 620 pages. And uh, it's three feet from the top of the spine to the bottom. It's huge. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's perfectly written. It's, it's, it's beautifully written actually. And so uh, when you, um, when you, cause I've read it and there's a lot of interesting, it's like, wow, how, how could you, how could you possibly have done this in one night? That short time. Yeah. How many pages do you have to write in that short amount of time? It, it, it's, it is like, it doesn't add up. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's almost, it's nearly impossible. Well, it is impossible. It's not nearly impossible. It is. And there, there are, there are uh, sites online that you can actually look it up and you can, uh, you can read it. To, again, I have, I've read it, but you know, it's, uh, it's it's pretty fascinating. It's it's yeah. It's called the Devil's Bible, so you might want to take a look at it. So, yeah, but it's it's beautifully written. I mean, the penmanship is beautiful. Uh, this is not something that was rushed, and so allegedly he made a pact with with Satan to save his life, and he went into this trance and he wrote this uh, this book, the Devil's Bible, and it. it you can you can go online and actually see the, the calligraphy. I mean, it is just remarkable. And I, for one night, a person could not have done that. It just something happened. So yeah, yeah. I, I do believe you can you can make a pact with the devil, and you can remove yourself from God's grace because we do have free will. Mm -hmm. So, do you think that? And this may be a really dumb question: that the devil presents himself in human form. The devil presents himself in many forms and it takes on many uh, images. And matter of fact, in incubus cases, it's interesting, incubus and succubus cases, what happens is it starts out not violent at all. It starts out pleasurable. So the activity bec it becomes um, sexual in nature, but it's not a violent 
aggressive. It's only becomes violent and aggressive when you say, okay, this is enough. Stop it. I've had it. I've had it. Then uh, it, the gig is up and then it presents itself. That's where the old hag syndrome, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about with uh, sleep paralysis can, comes, comes in. Mm-hmm. You actually see then this image, uh, this ghastly image that many people described, uh, Annalise McHale described seeing these ghastly images as well. So then you actually see the image itself. So uh, it, it, I think it presents itself in many forms, many beautiful. I think it presents its form in false prophets. Scripture talks about that. Uh, and, uh, and many of these preachers who are preaching fire, hell and damnation, you're going to burn in the fiery pits of hell if you're this or X, Y, Z, because we don't like this group. We don't like that group. We, like, shut up. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I just, to, to me, I just I follow two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul and mind and body and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, it's not that much more complicated than that. Uh, people want to get me in, in debates with me on my TikTok when I do. And I'm like, I'm not getting into debates with you. I'm just not going yeah. to do it. You're not going to talk. You're not going to get me to talk about political hot topics. I, I'm just I'm here to welcome everybody, no matter who you are. I'm not going to judge you any more than I want you to judge me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why people why it's so complicated. Yeah, it should yeah. be. Um. I do have another question about the good versus evil, which we touched on a little bit. Um, And since you had brought up John Wayne Gacy, I've always questioned the influence of the demonic on people who commit heinous acts like school shootings. And Mm -hmm. I've even read interviews where um, they talked about uh, Ted Bundy, that his eyes would go all black when he would talk about his crimes with interviewers and um you know one of the scientific things is that uh a state of arousal will do that mm-hmm. so but to me it just seems like there may be cases where that they are being influenced and i just it's sometimes hard to wrap your brain around that somebody can do terrible things to people without being influenced by something uh mm-hmm. evil what yeah. are your thoughts on that well, it's in, it is interesting. I, I think John Wayne Gacy and I think Bundy. Uh, I I don't. I, I, could they be demonically influenced? Absolutely, sure. That that would fall under ordinary demonic activity, uh, because there's an ordinary and extraordinary. And so, ordinary demonic activity, I think, will amplify the sins that you do, or or the lust, or or the power, okay. or something of like this. So, uh, through temptation. So, uh, no question about that. But the thing is, is they remember what they did. They were okay. in full, so they were full control. The significance is the that's fact that they hugely recall. significant, hugely because okay. a person is possessed in, 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 at least in the Roman Catholic church in all the 2000 year history in the Roman Catholic church, a person who's possessed has no knowledge that they don't remember being possessed. They go into a catatonic state. They remember what led up to possession, mm-hmm. but they don't actually remember being in the state of possession mm-hmm. uh, unless the demonic enter, uh, you know, left enter that's transient possession. Uh, then in those cases, yeah, but. Uh, I think maybe Jeffrey Dahmer, certainly there was a, I think That's it's quite possible. Point. Yeah, because he had blacked out one time. He had That's said right. that he was so intoxicated and, and, and he went to a hotel and he hotel. woke up the next morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that person's chest was caved in. He said he has no memory of it. Now, mm-hmm. uh, could that be? It was certainly could, but he also loved, he had a ritual of watching The Exorcist 3 uh, oh, before he would actually, that. yeah, before... As a matter of fact, his last uh, victim who, who escaped, he was watching uh, Exorcist 3, this particular scene. 
And uh, the guy said, look, you know, I, I let's just stop, you know, let's stop, you know what? And he said, no, no, let's hold on. I got to watch this one part. And there's one particular part that really got him almost in a trance. And then he laid the guy back and he said, I'm going to really enjoy eating your heart. And so, but the, I, from my understanding, uh, I think Jeffrey remembered that, uh, but he almost, he had to get into a trance and to watch the exorcist three before he did it. Hmm. That is insane. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a good yeah. point. I, I do remember him saying that and um, that he did black out during those times. Or so, at least that one in particular. So mm -hmm. it's quite possible. It's, it's quite possible that that time that could have been uh, transient possession. But no question, I think, uh, under demonic influence. No doubt about that. I mean, there's I think that's definitely very, very safe to say. Yeah. Well, Blair, do you think I should tell him about my strange occurrences? I think you should. In doing my research on this topic? Yeah, I, I think you should. <laughs> so why is it that people tend to have strange things happen when they're digging into, like for me, I was researching an episode that I'm writing for October on possession, uh, specifically the Ronald Hunkler case. Mm-hmm. And while I was writing this, I was actually to the point where I was um, writing about the one specific exorcism event and my light on my desk came on and the light requires me to use a remote. So that happened. And then the next two days, I woke up in the morning both times at 3.33, which I don't know. I know that there's something with that. Um... And then I think Blair even had a nightmare the first yeah. night and she was so shaken up by it that she called me yeah. and she's like, I think we should probably stop like not do digging into this or, you know, put it on the back burner for a while, not do it. And then today when you messaged me to confirm our appointment mm -hmm. on my phone, I could see, you know how, when you see that you have a message and you start to pull that it'll show you like a preview of the message, but then you have to click on the person to pull up the message. Right. I kept clicking on it and it would not pull open your message. And my keyboard on my phone, the letters, like, you know how, when you touch a letter, it will like expand. Right. A multiples of them popped up and I had to shut my phone off and turn it back on. And I don't have phone issues and I've had weird tech issues and just have heard other people having these strange experiences when they're looking into this. And it's like, how do we protect ourselves, first of all? Because I don't want anything to happen to me because I'm digging into this subject. I don't want to put myself at risk. Um, so, yeah, just curious on your thoughts on that. Well, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting to see that because you, you ha when you're exposing the truth, uh, you, you, the closer you get to God, the harder the devil works against you. And you grow closer to God by exposing the truth in demonology and possession. And so... Uh, that's these things will occur. And so anytime you're exposing the truth on demons, that's the last thing that they want, especially, you know, they, they don't want that. They don't want information being spread about that. They, they are parasites. They are, they are cowards. Uh, however, they cause extreme havoc on people's lives and uh, they will do anything that they, that they, they can. If they see you as a threat, see your voice as a threat, then they will certainly do everything they can to intimidate you, to try to stop it. Now, the thing is, is I, I don't, I won't allow, my mind to go into the mentality of I'm a victim. 
Mm-hmm. Won't do it. So I, I just, I, I, matter of fact, that's my mantra when it comes to demons. I, I will not be your victim. I will not be your victim. I, I don't care. I don't care if it's 420 pounds. I don't care if I lose my car. I don't care if I lose my house. I don't care if I lose my job. I, I will not think demons. Mm-hmm. I just don't do it. No matter what, I, my mind just doesn't go there because the moment that you do, you victimize yourself. And then the moment you do that, now you're victimized and then they victimize, they take credit for it. Because many times we say, you know, because of the, and, and it may be, but I just don't acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Because the more you acknowledge it, then the more that they feed on that fear. And you cannot allow them to feed on that fear because that's all, all this is a form of intimidation, even in exorcisms, levitation, screaming in multiple pitches, mimicking the voice of deceased loved ones, a term called retrocognition of knowing your sins, uh, throwing their voice to where it actually sounds like the voice is, is wondering uh, in the room, the black eyes, all of those, it, it, those are parlor tricks to frighten you, to intimidate you. And so you just don't allow that to hurt. You just do not allow that to happen. You don't, uh, you don't, as scripture says, don't give the devil a chance to work on you and you don't. And mm-hmm. so you, you just, um, if, if things happen, I, I just, I don't even acknowledge it. So uh, for be- someone like me, what is the best way for me to like take a situation like that? Because it did make me afraid. I'll be mm-hmm. honest. It was, mm-hmm. um, very strange. And like today I was like, I wanted to make sure I got your message because I didn't, you know, we had some like weird things. Like I know you weren't getting my messages for a while and it's yeah. like, what is going on and why are we not able to, to get this um, on the books? And then today I'm like, I'm so afraid I'm not going to be able to respond, you know? And so finally it worked, but it's like, what can I do? Because I did feel fearful and I don't want something to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I always tell people when you have this, uh, you know, you, you call upon your guardian angel, you call upon you know, St. Michael and uh, you call upon God. And you know that uh, the moment that you do that is the moment that, as I, as I mentioned earlier, is the moment that demons tremble in fear. Uh, because if, if you know that and you absolutely are convinced of this and you know that they are cockroaches, you know that they're parasites, you know that they're cowards, they're not going to fight you when you're strong. They're going to fight you when you're weak because they're mm-hmm. cowards. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I am not intimidated by, I'm not afraid of dying. I have no fear of death. So a a, a demonic has nothing over me because they can't use death to frighten me, to cause destruction, to make me think, oh, what am I going to, I don't fear it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I I just don't acknowledge it. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a short form and the the longer form of St. Michael. And I always tell people, you know, there's a shorter form prayer. It's not very long. You know, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the malice and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou, Prince of the heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all of the spirits who wander the earth, seeking the ruin of souls. Now, I've said that so many times. Obviously, I just spit it out. But Mm -hmm. I pray it all the time. I pray it all the time, not because I'm, I I don't want to put myself in a victim state of mind, because I know that I can call upon prayer. I also pray the rosary. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I use uh, my faith, and I realize that, and I've, I've come, I truly believe that when you pray, they tremble in fear. So we, we, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot keep demons here. We got to stop that. The mm-hmm. demons need to be elevated exactly where they are. The, the cockroach, yeah. the low lives that they are, because we have to keep God here mm-hmm. and we have to put demons way down here. And uh, there's such an imbalance lately because everybody, demons, it scares people. And I understand that. Well, they're scared of God. Mm-hmm. 
and they're scared of you because you're a child of God. And uh, that's what intimidates them. Blair, do you have any last thoughts or questions before before we wrap up? Anything you want to ask? No, not really. We we covered everything. We covered a lot. Um, There's a lot, a lot guess, to it, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I don't know. I try to I like that you said that at the end because I, I like to think of it as when you think of just like your average day-to-day life, demons are just the biggest bullies you're gonna yes. come across. And if you don't give bullies the time of day then they don't have any power over you. That's exactly you right. And, yeah. and, and they don't. And you, you just don't victimize yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. So uh, if you if you feel that you're being attacked, no, I, I have no fear of demons. I, I, I don't fear cowards. They, people, they, they should fear you. They, you shouldn't fear them. If yeah. people are really in dire situations mm-hmm. and dealing with things that are obviously beyond all reasoning and are seeking help, what mm-hmm. do you recommend that they do? Well, I, yeah. I always tell people they, they really need to reach out to the clergy. And uh, that's the first, I mean, if they have no clergy, then uh, I would definitely, you ha- you're going to have to have, uh, find clergy that can assist you, that's more open to it. That's the problem. There's not a whole lot of us out there that are mm-hmm. legitimate and don't want to sensationalize your case so that we can make a buck off of you. That's a hard, that's hard to find. Uh, I, I have, um, this is my ministry email. Um, oh 8, my 000, gosh. So I have 8,794 emails of people asking me to come to their home. I have over 14,000 messages. of assistants. <laughs> I have four, I have over 14,000 messages on TikTok oh and I have gosh. over 900 messages on messenger. So, and I am my, I am the staff. So oh, I, need, that's the problem. They're just, yeah. They're, they're, mm. you know, but, you know, reach out to people who are doing this for the right reasons. And then hopefully they'll get a teams out there and, and then help. And um, don't ever just simply don't go to people who's going to charge them. Just, just mm-hmm. don't go to, yeah. go, go to people who, who truly are, are doing this for the ministry for the right reasons. And I understand why people charge. I get, I get it. They pay the expenses because mm-hmm. I get none of us have won the lottery. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a big difference between, you know, reimbursement for expenses and charging people an exorbitant amount of money. That's not the yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. Capitalizing yeah. on someone's suffering. Right. Um, yeah. You mentioned that there aren't a lot of people that are ordained and um, have the right to do this. Are we talking mm-hmm. like less than 100 people in the U.S., less than 50 people? Well, I don't know the exact numbers as far as you know, in the Roman Catholic Church, how many um, there are. But I, I certainly think that there's not a whole lot. Uh, there really are. Mm-hmm. There's not because there's a difference between the deliverance and the solemn rite of exorcism. A deliverance is por- performed. You pray over an individual who has a demonic attachment. So the demonic has attached to that person. You pray a prayer of deliverance and the laity can do this. Uh, the la- you can pray mm-hmm. over a person anytime. So that's not an right. issue um, mm-hmm. because there's, there's several types of exorcisms that, I've, that I've, we've already talked about. The, the primarily, there are two types of exorcisms on individuals. Uh, there's what's called supplicating exorcism and imperative exorcism. And a supplicating exorcism is a prayer directed towards God, and we're asked to bring relief to that person. So that's known as a deliverance, and that a laity can do this. You can pray or anybody. Now, an mm-hmm. imperative exorcism, 
that is when you are commanding in the name of Christ. You are in persona Christi. You are standing in the personhood of Christ, commanding this demon leave the the person. Uh, that's a, a sacred right, and that's that is reserved for for people who are validly trained, who have mm -hmm. apostolic succession, whose bishop has given them permission to perform the right. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Yep. Uh, for our listeners, where can they learn more about you? How can they donate mm -hmm. to the ministry to support you in the work that you're doing? What is the best avenue for our listeners to to find out more? Yeah, I'm not really interested in donation. Uh, if you want to go to the bishopjameslong.com, you can do that. Uh, you can go to the website. You can go to the church's website, usocc.org, um, and you can do that as well. And then, of course, on TikTok, um, uh, Bishop James Long is the TikTok uh Username. And you're on there very regularly as well. I well, don't know yeah. how you do all that you do, to be honest. <laughs> well, Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, as a matter of fact, as soon as I get off here, I have to, we have Bible study. So Sundays and Wednesdays, we have Bible study. And then on Fridays, we have the paranormal. And then on, on Saturdays, it's open mic. We just talked about anything. So I tried to, we are, I am, uh, people are asking me to go every day. No, absolutely not. Not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going every day. Not going to, no. Four days a week is enough. That, that, that's, that's all I can do. Okay. Well, thank you so very yeah. much for your time. We really it appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Sure. I know that uh, you're a very busy man and we appreciate yeah. all that you do and taking the time to kind of raise awareness um, and clarifying some of those misconceptions. So yeah, we greatly thank appreciate you. that. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing your upcoming, by the time this episode airs, it will already be, out, be out with Eli Roth. You said that's going to be on what, um, what network? travel channel. Yeah. Travel, travel channel. I think channel. discovery plus, and I, uh, there's some other ones. So, okay. Okay. Perfect. I can't wait. Well, thank you. Thank you yeah, it's so gonna be much. Pretty cool. It's going to be a good, good show. Looking forward to it. You take, you take care and <laughs> yes. have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you so much. All right. You thank guys have you. a great night. What a crazy episode. Yeah. I don't know about our listeners, but that was an intense episode. There was a lot of information. And, and, and if I would have loved to, I could have literally talked to him for hours and hours. Oh, same. Absolutely. Easily. I have so many questions. I actually have more questions now. Now than, yeah, I absolutely do too. And I mean, if this doesn't, scream halloween and if this doesn't spook you then i don't know what does because yeah. wow what a i mean he and he's so knowledgeable too and so about, nice and yeah and he's so down to earth and it was it was just an absolute pleasure to talk to him and to just kind of dig into this topic because there is a lot of you know, fake stuff out there. There's a lot of stuff that, I mean, in movies, a lot of people think, oh, well, you can call on a priest if something's weird happening. You can go in and in 15 minutes, you're, you're done. You're rid of, yeah. And that's not the case. This is something that lasts years where you have to have multiple consultations regularly to try to get rid of this thing. Well, and I like that he was vulnerable, too, about the case where he almost yeah. quit. Oh, yeah. That's like a reality check, you know? Exactly. But, yeah. So, listeners, happy um, spooky season. And yes. We are in the spooky season. We've got a few more coming out 
um, towards the end of the month. But yeah, this is our special bonus episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you love this episode, please leave us a stellar rating on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, anywhere you listen. It will certainly help our show grow. And we'd love to do more things like this. Um, yes. But yeah, thanks for sticking this one out. It's a little bit creepy. Say your prayers tonight. Yes. Uh, or today, if you're listening to this, say your prayers if you feel spooked out. Uh, I know that I'm probably going to do a little something tonight because it's been a kind of a weird day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> leading leading up to this. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yes. That's it for this episode of Macabre. We will see you next time. Until then, have fun. Be safe. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.